Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Can I be Lord of a Holdfast? <laughs> you will marry a High Lord and rule this castle. And your sons shall be knights and princes and lords. <laughs> no. That's not me. Everybody and welcome to our podcast. I'm Duncan, and I'm Cindy, and this is Game of Microphones, episode 46. Welcome back, Cindy. Hey. It's always hey. It's always a pleasure to be graced with your presence, even if only audibly. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to talk about Game of Thrones. I only ever awesome. talk about Walking Dead, and this show is so phenomenal. <laughs> right. I'm just. I couldn't even. I had like the top 20. You know. I'm like ah. How do I group these together? Like every know, moment's amazing. I yeah, I had the same thing. I have to weed, whittle through them to find um, ones that I'll end up using. I just grouped them. All right. <laughs> um, just so you guys know, this is a rewatch podcast, so spoilers will be included theoretically up to season seven, episode seven. So brace yourselves, and if um, if you don't want to be spoiled, you still have time to turn around and smash your podcast player somehow. So let's jump into our top five. What do you got, Cindy? So my fifth one is um, just labeled introductions. So we're cool. in the fourth episode now, but there's so many cast of characters in this show and so many locations that they're still introducing people. Um, and I can remember thinking back to when I was first watching it, trying to keep all of these people straight was just so difficult. But now knowing all of the characters so well and knowing which one's you know, become important and are in it through the entirety of the seven seasons. It was so excited to see like Hodor for the first time, you know, so <laughs> we have. Oh, the man, that was the first time. I think it was because I don't remember seeing it earlier this morning. I watched all right. four episodes in a row and I think that was the first time I saw Hodor because I wrote yeah, down it Hodor. The time, <laughs> yeah, it was the first time that uh, Bran had um, needed, need of Hodor, right? right? Exactly. So maybe he was in the background or, you know, yeah, not he, he doing anything been, major but before then. I don't was, think he was, though. That was an introduction for sure. Um, it was definitely an introduction to his name. And Theon was real stern with him, too. Hodor, help yes. Bran down the hallway. Yes. You know, like, I have, oh, please, or anything. <laughs> the, the top of the episode is the introduction to the Three-Eyed Raven, and I can remember yeah. seeing that introductory scene the first time and being confused because Bran's like, up and fuck? walking and right. then realizing, like, oh, this must be a dream sequence and not really knowing what this raven, how it came into play and what all of that meant, and now it means so much. I know, right? Um, I don't know if this was the introduction to Roz or if we did see her earlier 
But we I, saw her in the pilot when she was pilot, in, okay. in bed with Tyrion. Um, but there was a conversation between Tyrion and Theon about Roz, and I was just remember like, oh, I'd forgotten about Roz. Roz was so awesome. Yeah, um, she comes up a lot in this episode. Yeah. Uh, we kind of get an intro to Theon. Of course, he was in the earlier episodes, but for me, this was like the first time that we learned about his story, that we learned right. why he's in the care of uh, the Starks in that, you know, he's basically kind of given to them and is his, their ward or some might say a slave or whatnot. Like he's not free to go home. Um, so that was our like introduction to his story. At least we were introduced to Samuel Tarly for the first time. Yep. Um, we were introduced to they finally arrive at the vast Dothrak, if I'm saying that correctly. Vice um, Dothrak. Vice Dothrak. Um, we're introduced to Gendry. We're yeah, yeah. And then I didn't realize we were introduced to Braun this early. So when I saw him, yeah. I was kind of like, holy crap. I didn't think he right. came in this yet. We so, had a listener that wrote in saying that too. Super so, excited yeah. to see Braun. <laughs> My number five was just introductions. And I started listing out all these introductions. Nice. Yeah, there's lots of really good introductions in this episode, mm-hmm. especially for sure. Um, we also get to learn more about characters who were recently introduced, like a little bit more about Baelish. Um, yes. We learn about the Hound and the yes. Mountain, you know, their origin story, which takes me to my number five, which is Littlefinger telling Sansa the story of the Mountain and the Hound. Yes. Um, um, I just, <laughs> it's just super eerie, the, the way the music changes. And we it's the first time we see Baelish get into his sort of snake mode where he's acting oh, like s- slimy and so greasy slimy. and greasy. And he seems to be yeah. taking pleasure in tormenting Sansa. Well, and I said, um, I wrote down, because this is part of my number four, um, Peter telling Sansa the story of the Hound in the Mountain. And I said, why is he trying to make Sansa scared of the Hound? Because he basically says, after he tells her that, and she says she won't tell anybody, he's like, good. Because if the Hound even hears any word of you knowing about this, there isn't a no guard one. in town that can protect you. So yeah, he's purposely making her fearful of him, and I don't know why. Right, and he is—he knows that she doesn't have to be worried about him. Right, you know, so he's just being a little bastard, which shows you, like, oh, even if he thinks—I mean, he may not necessarily love her at this point, obviously, because they've really right. just met. But even you know, people who he is drawn to, like the Stark women, for instance, or Tully slash Stark mm-hmm. women, he'll still torture them. You know, he doesn't yeah. really give a shit about them. Well, he's <laughs> got his—he clearly has. A whole plan going that we don't even know about at this yeah, point. Yeah, like what like is he has got things seven steps out that he's planting the seeds now for. So yeah, yeah, really. Like telling telling Ned about where Gendry was, for instance. Yes. What's up with that? Like, why is he helping Ned to then just kill him or get you know get him killed? I think he's leading Ned right down the path that John Aaron was going down and. Then you know what happened to John Aaron. So I think he's right. basically trying to get Ned out of the picture, but he doesn't just, you know, come out and kill a person. He does it like this. Yeah. And he's, yeah, I guess he's just, you know, f- fomenting so chaos sneaky. all over the place. Uh, any opportunity to sow seeds of chaos yeah. and turn people against each other so that he can, you know, step up into places that become open, <laughs> I guess. Yeah. What a snake, man. Yeah, he's yeah, he's such a snake. But yeah, I I love that scene. Um, the look on Sansa's face when she when he's telling her the story about how his face was burned. Yeah, and 
and it's panning back and forth between the mountain on his horse and and Sandor and it's the first time you start to feel sympathy for the hound or start to get a sense of his tortured soul um which obviously comes more into play over the coming years oh, i just love the hound so much and these these episodes are just reminding me like even though the hound is a little bit more i don't know like we are meant to kind of fear him like sansa is you know him right killing the butcher's boy and stuff like that um, he ran. There's still like part of me that was intrigued by him and knew that I would like him eventually. I just knew nice. It. I knew it. That's cool. Yeah, I I did not like him at first. Um, although he's in my top five favorite characters mm-hmm. now for sure. Um, I think this was the first time where I started to be open to liking him. Think that there's more to him than one. Yeah, where I was layer. intrigued by him. Like, yeah. oh man, that's a fucked up story. Did I ever tell so, you yeah. about the time I met him? No, that's awesome. So there was a convention in Nashville that was small. And um, it was like two weeks before the very first Walker Stalker Con. And um, really? I went to it and manned a booth for Walker Stalker. We were basically trying to get more vendors for our show. And the guys had bought booth space, vendor booth space. And we just kind of had our stuff up there. There was literally five celebrity guests. And it was Glenn and Maggie were two of them. And Robert Englund was the big one. And the huh. hound was another one. And then the fifth Rory one. Rory McCann. Yeah. And then the fifth one was just like some Nickelodeon star who I didn't know who it was, but all of the tweeners were going crazy for. Um, <laughs> and it was literally just those five people. I met both um, Maggie and Glenn, Lauren and Steven for the first time there too, and without waiting in a line. Um, Rory McCann, I actually waited behind a few people before I met him. And this was the time period when um, he was escorting Aria. Oh, no way. He just started like with Arya. And so... So he was like a centerpiece on the show at this yeah, point. Yeah, and he'd already kind of helped Sansa, and then he was with Arya. And so I had asked him, like, you know, but we didn't know, like, is he going to be a bad person or a good person? You know, is he going to harm right. Arya <laughs> or is he protecting her? Um, and so I asked him, I was like, please tell me, you know, you're not going to harm Arya. And he was just like, he was like in character, and he basically was just said, like, I protect the Stark girls. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Yeah. He like lives in a boat off the coast of Scotland. Does he? Yeah, just chilling. That would be amazing. Keeps to himself. Seems like a pretty cool guy. Yep. All right. So yeah, that's my number four. Just okay. that, that encounter there and uh, learning about the Hound's backstory a little bit. What about you? Or my number five, sorry. What about your number four? So my number four is just a little bit of a hodgepodge. As I told you um, before we started, I think, recording was that... I had like 20 top 20s in here. There's so many favorite things. So I started grouping them together. Like I grouped all the introductions together. So this nice. one is a little bit of things that didn't group well together. So I threw them in as my number four. Um, cool. one, one of them was the Peter telling Sansa the story, which we just talked about. Um, just waking up, you know, just the episode starting with Bran walking and that being a little bit confusing. Um, Tyrion's gift to Bran so that he can ride. That's one of my favorite little things in the series that he came yeah. and did that. Um, just the title of this episode, The Bastards, Cripples, and Broken Things. Um, I've always loved that, and I loved Tyrion's like philosophy about that. Right, yeah, because um, um, Rob asks him, like, why are you helping yeah. Bran? Why would you do th- You've done my brother a kindness. Why? Yeah. And he says, I've always had a soft spot in my heart for cripples, bastards, and broken things. Right. 
really good moment. I, I love, love um, Tyrion's psychology is really interesting to me. And then, and, and along with that, I was wondering, does Rob... So, Catelyn goes to King's Landing to tell... Um, Ned. Ned. About... About the assassin the and assassin the dagger. And the dagger. But it isn't until she's in King's Landing that she learns that the dagger might have been Tyrion's. She doesn't Allegedly learn... Allegedly Tyrion's, right. yes. So my question is, so she goes there to tell him that because she doesn't trust a raven to bring that news. Right. And when she leaves Winterfell, she doesn't know who the dagger belongs to. So I'm wondering if Rob has any inkling, inkling at this point that the dagger allegedly belonged to Tyrion because he seems so rude to Tyrion. Right, he would not, but I think that um, he knew that the... Like before his mother left, she showed everybody the hair, you know, or so, whatever. So he was just kind everybody. of being like suspicious of that family. Yeah, I'm so sure she, that okay. before she left, she probably told him like, listen, we got word from Liza in the Vale yeah. that the Lannisters are, you know, killing. They killed John Aaron right. and all this stuff. So he's probably just on edge around okay. Lannisters in general. That would make sense. My, uh, that would make sense. Yeah. Because if he did know... Then him just being rude didn't seem enough. Like, why didn't he take him captive? Right. And yeah, he, he definitely didn't know. And if he didn't know anything, I'm like, why is he being so rude to Tyrion? Such a so dick. Like, I couldn't figure out the line, but what you said makes perfect sense. That would explain it. Yep, because she was too nervous to send a raven, right. it seems. That's why she rode. And then she, having found that out, again, it would be too, uh, the information yeah, would I don't be think too she, sensitive. I don't think to, she would have uh, sent a raven back to Winterfell that said that. Right, exactly. Because <laughs> she had said in the uh, the pilot, like if if Lysa put this in a raven, she's got to be serious because you know if the wrong or actually it was a rider in the night. Oh yeah, a rider, rider came, in the night. Yeah, if somebody else intercepted this this um, scroll, like her head would be on a spike basically. Yep. So she's obviously not taking that risk herself. <laughs> it's a long journey to avoid uh, yeah hardship like that. My number four is Ned being on the trail of John Aaron's uh, murder. <laughs> my number three, so let's just talk about it. Go on. Okay. <laughs> I liked how he um, starts inquiring with Maester Pycelle, and Pycelle's like, oh, John Aaron would frequently come to talk to me. And he's like, why the fuck would he talk to you, man? You know? <laughs> he's like, remember, I've been Grand Maester for years and years, you know, like all these people, all these kings and everything. So it was just kind of funny. Yeah. Um, the interaction with Pycelle, who's hilarious. Um, and for anybody that doesn't know, Pycelle was originally supposed to be played by Roy Dotrice, who narrates the audiobooks. Oh, I did not which know. Which is pretty cool. Just a little tidbit. He ended up being sick when they started filming season mm. one. So he was recast and he plays um, the uh, the head pyromancer Helene in season two. So we'll see him oh. next year or in a few weeks. <laughs> yeah. But, um, you know... Uh, He's having an interesting talk about, you know, oh, he he was came to see a he wanted to know about a book the night before he mm -hmm. died. So he goes and they're checking out this ponderous tome and ponderous it's all about tome. yeah, it's great. I love that description. It's all about lineage and it's categor or categorizing or chronologuing all the um, the you know members of these families and who they're and their traits. Born to, it was so their, weird. Yeah, their physical <laughs> traits, how they died, when they were born, how long they lived, what color their hair was hair and eyes hair and eyes yeah it's very interesting um so ned is kind of perplexed by this and then coupled with finding this book Pycelle tells him oh he was you know the the dying brain is a demented brain he was 
rambling on about the seed being strong or something like you know so so that kind of plays into this genealogy book so he's it's in his head like what the fuck is going on and then he gets you know peter baelish sends him to the uh the the street of of uh steel to the top of the hill to go find this this really famous um smith and he stumbles upon gendry there and it mm-hmm. clicks that you know john aaron was looking into lineage yeah he, and he where just, is it he, somebody kept saying his seed is strong where did that come in that was um when he was looking at the book right um he asked you know what he what his last words were and um Pycelle mentioned that those were his last words his basically seed is and, strong yeah, so he sort of made the connection between seed and lineage and gene- genealogy with the book, but it wasn't really anything to go off of. Then he he you know he sees Robert's bastard and he says you know look at me, and makes eye contact and looks at, studies his face and you can see it hit him mm-hmm. you know <laughs> which is cool like mm-hmm. Sean Bean is such a great actor, especially upon rewatching yes. and knowing the significance of these things his reactions and everything like that like he's just a fantastic actor really good so i love the the line you know he figures out it's his bastard he's like oh man john aaron was looking into into genealogy he doesn't really figure out what's going on yet but he it's it's apparent to the re on the rewatch that john aaron was looking for rightful successors at this point um which is pretty interesting so ned if the day ever comes when that boy would rather wield a sword than forge one send him to me which is cool you know he feels this sort of responsibility for (laughs) for his best friend's bastard (laughs) um and wants to provide an avenue for um for something for him if if the opportunity uh, arises so that's that's cool that to see ned stepping up and potentially, you know, um, volunteering to play a role in this kid's life, which is nice to see. He he loves the kids. Ned's yeah. all about the kids. Like Kinda if you read the soft, books, has a soft spot for bastards too, a little bit. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, um, and yeah, if, like in the books, especially too, he's always thinking about the kids. Like the kids are always the first thing in his mind every time he sees Catelyn. Like the first thing he mentions is, "Oh, how are the kids?" You know, that type of thing. So he's very child centric. So it makes sense that he hid John all these years and was wanted to take such good care of him. I wonder why he never confided in Catelyn, though. I think it was just to keep her safe. Yeah, I know, if, but I just uh, feel like I, mean, that's, I, know, I feel like they have such a strong bond, yeah, and such a strong trust that him having to live all these years with her thinking the wrong thing and also kind of treating John poorly because of it. I, I just feel like, why yeah. didn't he ever, he could have confided in her and trusted her other than, like you said, just to make sure she's absolutely safe. But That, I and it know. could have sent a set series of chain, like a chain reaction, basically, yeah. where, okay, so he admits to Catelyn what's going on. She learns that it's Lyanna's son, and then she stops being a, a total bitch to, to John. And and welcomes him into the family, and she's super super nice to him. And then that sort of becomes weird. And why do and you gotta may, ruin everything, uh... Duncan? No, you know what I mean. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Duncan ruins everything on TLC. Um, like Adam ruins everything. But yeah, you know, fine, fine. then it becomes weird that Le- that um, Catelyn is like overly friendly to John and feels bad for him and. It, that may become suspicious. Then he starts to be part of a, a family gatherings and eating at the table when the lords visit, and sticking out in the crowd. Um, 
But and they do that in other territories. Where what is the Oh, Dorn? Yeah, where the yeah, bastards yeah. are treated no different than anyone else. I think that given her initial reaction, it may have drawn attention if it was reversed. Um Cat Catlin's views on John if they yeah. reversed suddenly. And it would have been um I mean, even even the other places relatively north, like the Vale, um, bastards aren't like looked down on necessarily. There's what something stone. I wanted to say Emma Stone, <laughs> but it's, it's not Emma Stone. She's uh, one of Robert's bastards who lives up in the Vale. Yeah, um, and she's you know doing her thing, and she's respected, and brings people up and you know back and forth um, up to the Erie and whatnot. But uh, yeah, I think it it. Ned must have been weighing a lot of potentialities and options and benefits and risks in his mind. And, and I, he must have just decided to play it completely safe and not tell anybody. And I also uh, wondered about that when he and John separated and he said, you know, I promise we'll talk about your mother the next time we meet. But in this world that they live in, there is no guarantee you'll ever see them him again. You guys right. are going your separate ways. You're going somewhere relatively probably dangerous. He's going somewhere dangerous. You are, as far as I know, literally the only human on the planet that knows this information, and you could die at any time. You should somehow make one other person aware of it or leave a hidden note or something. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Maybe there is. For Maybe. all we know, we could find something. Well, um, you and whoever your host was last week, who was Travis. That? Travis. Yeah. I think you talked briefly about maybe Benjamin knew. Yeah, Benjamin may have and known. And I never and, really um, thought of that until I listened to your podcast and I was like, maybe he did. Yeah, and it makes it makes sense that, you know, Ned would confide in to him. To get it off his chest, would share it with his one remaining sibling that yeah. their sibling did have a child. Yeah. Um, you know, Benjamin had said when they were talking about he said to John, um, you know, John said he said well he goes, he he says, uh, you know that we we don't father children in the night's watch. And John's like, I don't care about that, yeah. you know. And he's like, Well, you might if you knew what it meant. Like yeah. if you knew that you were the royal line. Um, <laughs> I think you know what Maybe I mean. He did I, know. I think Benjamin did know. Um, I also you you missed this in the episode with Kristen, which you got to listen to because she will. has some really really cool uh, insights like this that Jamie Lannister may know as well because he was he was the um, you know the Kingsguard at the time. Yeah. He would have known all the king's secrets, would have known all of Rhaegar's secrets. He probably would have known that he had um, absconded or eloped with with Lea, uh, yeah, Liana. Yeah, that it wasn't a rape scenario, but a love scenario. Right. He would have known what his two sworn brothers of the Kingsguard were doing down in Dorne yeah. and not at the Trident. So it makes sense That's that really he would have known. Yeah, really interesting. So that that sort of sets up why he sought out Jon Snow um, in the in the pilot episode and was talking with him yeah. um, at Winterfell or maybe it was the second episode yeah so that Ooh. that makes that scene make sense right isn't that cool this is so exciting <laughs> yeah I was really excited too thanks Kristen if you're listening I'm definitely gonna go back and listen to that yeah you it's a really good uh, really cool stuff in that one um, so so I think that Ned sent wanted to tell John after John took the black because. Right. Taking the black would put John out of the reach of the king's justice. Yeah, you're forgiven for all your past crimes or for who you are in John's case. Um, whereas in that same episode, a few minutes later, um, in the King's Road, he's talking with with um, Robert, who's still obsessed with killing Daenerys and eliminating yeah. all the Targaryens. If he would found he out was. about John, 
who knows how he would have reacted. He he could have. That's true. That puts a whole know? new like spin on that conversation. Yeah, exactly. So so John being sent to the wall. He, Ned is probably like torn to bits over this. Like oh, doesn't bet. want doesn't want Ned or doesn't want John to lose his you know his right to procreate <laughs> to to father children and I, marry and I all this. I volunteer to procreate with him, although I can't have children. <laughs> Damn it. <laughs> Um, also, I could be his mother. Gross. <laughs> well, yeah, you know, it's all age is all relative. Yeah. Um, but he, yeah, he, you know, he if if John took the black, that would put him out of 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 um, Robert's reach and would prevent him from being killed just for being who he is. So I think that Ned probably normally would not have encouraged uh, John's John's uh, inclination to ride north to take the black, but in this scenario i think that he sort of allowed him to do it without discouraging it just to make him legally safe essentially like it's yeah. like home base i'm at i touched the base you can't you can't tag me you know whatever um so yeah i think that's the significance to that whole thing i mean yeah it's it's really sad that they never do have the chance to meet again and and talk but one other cool thing that um, Kristen mentioned is that maybe since Bran knows everything now, now or has the the ability to see everything essentially, that he could take John down in front of Ned's sculpture in the crypt to tell him about his lineage. So it would be like he sees Ned again um, when he learns the truth, just as Ned promised, which would be sort of a poetic way to um, to reveal the truth to John. The only thing that I have to to add that we haven't talked about or, you know, that you didn't already cover in this, um, your number four, my number three, um, was that I felt like Ned puts it all together rather quickly. And I remember being very confused the first time around. I couldn't, fo- right. I couldn't follow it at all. Now that I know everything and all of the people and the truth has come out and we're at the end of season seven, I could follow it, but only right. now. Um, right. <laughs> so it is. It's not necessarily a complaint of the show. It is good writing. It was good acting. Um, it is just a complicated show, and, yeah, um, it's, and I it's just, just didn't the story follow is just it. So complex. Yeah, I just didn't follow it the first time through, but I got it this time. That's awesome. Um, and now that you're getting it this time, imagine this: the pilot episode was reshot um, largely because it was far too confusing. Mm. And so this was after they honed the writing style to make things more, <laughs> more, uh, more understandable, understandable for, to the dumb people of the world. Yeah, which is hilarious. Um, so there's one other thing I wanted to mention in terms of Ned being on the path of the truth. He knows that, well, he's under the impression that the Lannisters are up to something based on the false information given to Lysa and then to Catelyn by Littlefinger. So Cersei comes to meet with Ned which is an, a pretty neat scene that I never really paid much attention to before. Um, even though I've watched this dozens of times, you know what I mean? Um, the whole series and I mean, not dozens, but approaching a dozen. So yeah. Cersei's trying to manipulate him like, Oh, I wanted to, you know, I was hoping we could put everything that happened in the King's road behind us, you know, all the nastiness about the wolf and the wolves and all that. Having you kill the wolf was a bit extreme, but you know, people do crazy things when it comes to their kids. And, um, he she's like what are you even doing here though you know (laughs) and he's like well you know i'm trying to figure out what the fuck's going on and i'm here to help the realm and robert and that's what i've been asked to do and that's what i'm gonna do it and she's like oh you're just a you're just a soldier aren't you your brother was trained to lead and you were trained to follow it makes sense 
And he says, I was also trained to kill my enemies, your grace. You know, like a pointed <laughs> sentence aimed at her. Like, I'll fucking kill you if I have to, just so you know. And her response is chilling too, as was I. And according to him, he probably, you know, in his mind, he probably thinks she killed John Aaron. So he is, that's basically in his mind, her claiming responsibility for John Aaron's murder and makes him or makes her just like flashing red, like red alert to, to, to Ned, like nothing is right about any of this. So I just thought that was a pretty neat conversation and uh, makes him more suspicious toward, towards the Lannisters than he really needs to be about this whole thing. Um, Littlefinger has really succeeded at, um, you know, drawing or creating a big bridge between these two families and sowing seeds of chaos as he uh, tends to do. So, yeah, that's my number four. Um, how about your number three? What do you got for us, Cindy? Um, so, well, that was my number three. Oh, that, right, that was your number three. <laughs> so, okay. just skip over to your number three. We will skip to my number three. And then afterwards, we'll get to cover everything that's that we had to leave out of our top fives. Um, so my number three is John and Sam's friendship and starting to see, see that begin to develop. It's great. Sam arrives at Castle Black and he's just the most pathetic dude imaginable, just whimpering and crying and squealing like a pig when he's being beat by Rast yeah. as um, Alistair is telling him to, you know, hit him until he finds his feet. And oh, he's, that's his name. I fucking hate Alistair. I couldn't think of his name. I was just like, oh, I yeah. hate you. Yeah, I, I, his name confused me for the longest time. I couldn't tell if they were saying Alistair or Alistair because mm-hmm. I've obviously heard of Alistair Crowley mm-hmm. and everything like that. It's apparently Alistair. A-L-L-I-E-S-R. Alistair Thorne. Whatever his um, name is, he's a thorn in my side. Interesting uh, name. Uh, yeah, total thorn in the side of everybody up yeah. at the wall, apparently. Um, so Sam's getting his ass whooped, and it's he's just pathetic. He's just the most pathetic dude, like in the entire series at this point. And it, watching it now, it's it just makes you appreciate how strong he's he's become. Stealing his family's sword, you know, standing just, up to his father. I just, kept th- like, I just kept thinking about him being the first one to kill a White Walker. Right. I was yeah, just like, he kills a White, a White Walker. Walker. He he's he's like the, the most the bravest dude around at this point, stealing from the Citadel, you know, taking a woman, even though he's a sworn brother of the Night's Watch, mm-hmm. like all this stuff. He's mega super uh, rebel badass. And you'd never imagine it at this scene when he's squealing on the ground, flailing his fingers around as I he's know. being beaten. Um, so the next time uh, we see Sam with John, they... He's basically John's atop the wall for his his watch duty, and he's Sam shows up and says, "Oh, I've been assigned to you know the watch with you," and Net um, John kind of turns his head like, "Fuck," yeah, <laughs> which is hilarious. I step up to help a poor guy when he's down, and now I'm saddled with him. Right, and uh, that reminds me too of uh, what Gran said. People saw us talking to him. Now they'll think we're cowards too. I know, and I'm like, why, why would they think you're a coward if you're not a coward, you asshole? <laughs> and Pip is like, you're too stupid to be a coward. <laughs> He's like, no, I'm not. <laughs> Just hilarious. Um, so, uh, you know, they start talking up on the wall, and they're sort of getting along a little bit better up there. We learn of um, Sam's backstory and the sadness of his existence. 
where he's threatened with death by his oppressive father just for being who he is. He's told he's not worthy of the um, of being heir to his house and basically has the choice of taking the black or quote unquote, you know, dying when his horse falls in a hunting accident or something like that. That's what he'll tell your mother anyways. So it's brutal. We get to learn this horrific origin stories of both Sandor and Sam in this episode. Um, heart-wrenching ordeals. Then um, their friendship, you know, so so being a bastard, Ned sort of, or John sort of starts to feel a kinship with Sam at this moment. Like, oh, he's an outcast too. Um, you know, the black sheep of his family and he starts to relate to him. Even if he doesn't want to relate to him, he he is relating to him at this point. Yeah. And then they, um, they, they're sort of kindling the flames of friendship more later when they're cleaning up the mess hall. I think it's a mess hall that they're in, right? And they're talking about women and Sam is sort of ranting about how, um, they, you know, they the Night's Watch brothers can't have a little Sally on the side or whatever. Like, fine, we don't have to be married but or have children, but we can't have a little Sally on the side. You know? <laughs> yeah. and John's like, I didn't think you would care about it. Why? Because I'm fat? You know? <laughs> which, is, <laughs> which is a great moment. It was. That was a um, cute scene. He's like, look, I've never even been with a woman. But look at you, you know, you pretty lad like you. You've probably been with thousands of them. And he, John admits to being a virgin yeah. as well. And we get another mention of Roz as John explains yeah. how he uh, how he was naked in a room with a naked girl once. Oh, God. You know, but all he could think about was... <laughs> bastard. How, yeah, how, how she could father a bastard yeah. and he could make another child named Snow. And it's just like his false existence of bastardhood is just eating at him Well, and I feel... See, day. this goes back to I feel like this is how... This is all because of how Catelyn treated him all through his entire life. If exactly. he hadn't been treated like an outcast bastard, he wouldn't feel so poorly too. about bastards. Right. And maybe, you know, maybe Ned was letting it happen um, just on the off chance that someday he he does become, you know, find out who he is and the significance of it, that he doesn't feel like he's been pampered his whole life and that he will you won't take it for granted. Isn't you know? there though an in between between being like a pampered prince and being like treated like shit? Right. Right. Yeah, like like the rest of the kids. There that's like a pretty good in between. But even we do find though that even with his uh, bastardly existence, he does you know, he has um lived that pampered lifestyle. Yeah. Um as we find out I found out last week as everybody's putting him in his place when he's thinking he's better than everybody, even though he's a bastard. Yeah. So just imagine if he was like a princeling, you know what I mean? Well, I just loved, uh, not to go back to a previous episode, but I am for a second. Um, sure. I, I liked in that scene think... that you're talking about, like, especially where Tyrion is kind of guiding him in that, like, look, these guys did not have the upbringing you did, and they have never actually fought before or been trained never been held as swordsmen. A real sword. It, you can you can either mock them and act better than them, or maybe you can help them and teach them. You can and, be um, a real asset to yeah, them. Yeah, that was a, that was awesome. Yeah, uh, Tyrion and Benjen both played a large role um, in bringing John around mm -hmm. um, to instead of being a snotty yeah. brat to being a useful brother. However, so that was really cool. However, back to our episode, I did quite enjoy the scene where he sneaks in at night and threatens the three hoodlums to not touch Sam. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we had a, it's him showing his propensity to protect yes. the weak as yes. well. 
just great. Uh, Prince Pork Chop, they called him. <laughs> <laughs> I never really picked up on that before either. But um, after hearing that and talking for a minute about Sam, you know, John, we're not going to hurt him in, in the yard anymore. Oh, you do a Nobody's, good John voice. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody's to touch Sam from here out. You know? um, oh, I'm getting all excited. Yeah, right. Am I speaking to John Snow? <laughs> no. Ah! Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> Rast is like, well, if I have the opportunity in the yard, I'm going to get me a slice of bacon, boy. <laughs> you know? Make him squeal, make that piggy squeal, boy. And um, John's not having it. He just turns all pissed and doesn't publicly confront him at this moment. But he decides to make a point <laughs> at night <laughs> as he's sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. They they take that twisted fabric and just like shove it right in Rast's mouth, just downward, holding him down and keeping his mouth like. Um, gagged at the same time and this is another moment where we kind of see this connection between the direwolves and the um, the children hinted at yeah where ghost is perfectly oh my god intimidating rast but not not um hurting him or anything no. it's like that john is mentally connected with him yeah and and instructing ghost to to do his bidding here and if uh, if that makes you curious as to the mental connection between the the direwolves and the children, I won't give you any book stuff, but you should go read the books because there may be some illumination to that um, in the books, which is <sighs> I just wish cool. more direwolves survived. I know, I know. <laughs> and uh, actually, and again, not to go back to a previous episode that you guys already covered, but I will real quick. Um, the scene where Arya has to run Nymeria off, and I just remember thinking like, ah. Oh, I just wanted Nymeria to come back in a future episode much sooner than she did. You know, like I yeah. kept thinking when she was like with the hound with the or hound. on the rod, like Nymeria is going to come back at the perfect moment. And that's one of the things that I'm like disappointed didn't happen. Yeah, I know. That would have been really cool. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's, he's, you know, John's using Ghost to intimidate Rast and <laughs> nobody fucks with Sam after that. <laughs> Where is Ghost <laughs> Even- now? I can't remember. Ghost is at Winterfell. The ghost is at Winterfell. Okay. Yes. Uh, yeah. He left the wall when when John left the, the black. Okay. And um, basically ended up at Winterfell, and Lady uh, um, Lady Sansa had said, "What does he think that he can just leave the the Northern Lords to just sit up here and wait like like Ghost?" Yeah. So that sort of uh, gave us a clue that Ghost is there waiting. So all we have left is Ghost. And possibly Nymeria. Yeah. Okay. Yep. That's all we got for di- all we have for direwolves. Oh, so sad. Ah. <sighs> yeah. Um. So. So after that, nobody's touching um, them. But I like I like I like the moment where they're talking and as they're cleaning the mess hall, and John's explaining to Sam, you know, I I couldn't do it, and and <laughs> Sam's like, what? You didn't know where to put it. <laughs> He's like, I knew where to put it. Okay, he's like, but all you know, all I could think about was her fathering a bastard, and it's it's not a good life for a child. And um, oh, and John, Sam finishes. So <laughs> Sam finishes the conversation by, by saying, "So you didn't know where to put it." <laughs> Which <laughs> totally cracks me up. <laughs> I was dying laughing. <laughs> and that's when like they really start to click, yeah. and John starts to chase him around the mess room to like give him a <laughs> noogie, you know. And, and it's like the most like the worst moment for. For Alistair to come barging yeah. in God, and just ruin guy. the moment. You know? I just hate his stupid face. Yeah. Oh, I know. He's such a great 
he does a great job at making you hate him. Like, I would totally high-five that actor if I, oh, yeah. if I met that guy. Awesome job. So, yeah, that's my number My number uh, three is Sam and John and their budding friendship as they start to connect <laughs> over various things, oh, being outcasts, their virginity, and whatnot. Um, yeah, it's, it's cool. I like those two. Yeah. So yeah, what's about your number two, ladies, ladies Cindy? <laughs> so my number two, again, I was grouping these together. So number two is all about um, uh, the the Targaryens with the Dothraki. So the cool. scene with this, I don't know. Perfect. That'll go right into mine too. Oh, good. So the 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 slave whore with Viserys in the bathtub. <laughs> the slave whore. What is she? Jeez. She's a slave and a existence. whore, right? Yeah, pretty okay. much. Yeah, it's I'm horrible. just being factual, descriptive. I am not casting judgment on her. I think she's awesome. Oh no, I do. Too. I yeah, I think she's real awesome. It's so, just such a brutal existence. I'm sorry. <laughs> she seems quite happy. At least at first. Yeah, um, but she's the same one. Well, she is the one that was teaching Daenerys. D- Danny, in yeah, that earlier. Um, yeah, scene. which um, which Viserys mentions yes. um, in the tub. You know, why do you think I bought you? Yeah. She's to and Danny. Oh, yeah. you, you, you're that stupid. Get on. God, with it. I hate him so much. But um, yeah. and I remember back when people in these earlier episodes, when people used to complain about um the sex position. But this is clearly one of those sex position scenes where we learn a lot while they're talking in the bathtub about the female anatomy. Yes, <laughs> we learn. <laughs> we learn about dragons. So much. Yes, we um, learn about so much cool stuff. Yeah. <laughs> So, you know, he talks about the, the the dragons like being closest to the door were no bigger than dogs. Their skulls were no bigger than dog skulls. But as they yeah. got closer to the throne, he was naming all the great and largest dragons. Um, she mentions when she's talking about various men that she's been with over time, she mentions the men who can change their face as easily as they change their clothes. Right. I, oh, that's such cool foreshadowing. Yeah, which, you know, of oh, course man. I didn't even mean anything to me the first time around. At the, yeah, <laughs> the first time watching it, I was probably like, that's weird. Yeah. Like, what the fuck? What the yeah, fuck what is, is she talking mean? about? What is she even talking about? Yeah. yeah. Um, the great. dragon stuff was great. Um, and then taking away from the bathtub scene, just the, um, the scene where uh, Khaleesi finally, you know, her brother's being an ass to her again, as he always is. Yeah, that's um, my number two. <laughs> and uh, yeah, she finally stands up to her brother and, and smacks him or hits him with something. And then she says, the next time you raise a hand to me will be the last time you have hands. And last I was just time like, you have hands. I was like, ah! Yes, yeah. I hate that little fucker. Yep, Danny emerging as strong woman that we've grown to love. Yep. And it, Beautiful it was, to see. It was interesting even in watching the first episode, the pilot again, her face was so... Just so young and fresh. Like, she looks so innocent and young in those first couple episodes. She really does, yeah. Oh, I just thought of it, too. Um, what would King Robert say to Viserys? What would the Mad King say to Viserys? You let that little girl beat you with a belt <laughs> and put you in your place. Yep. <laughs> like uh, Joffrey, you let God, that little girl disarm you. Yep. <laughs> So great. Oh, yeah. And the um, the mention of the dragon skulls being tiny. We got to throw back to that um, in season seven mm-hmm. when Danny picks up the tiny little dragon skull at the dragon pit. Yeah. Or whatever skull that was. Maybe it wasn't a dragon at this point. It could have been any dead animal at this abandoned pit. Right. You know, a couple hundred years after the dragons are dead. Um, but yeah, that was really cool. Uh, is that that wraps up your number two? Pretty much. 
Cool. Perfect transition into mine, which is that moment when uh, Danny stands up to Viserys. He freaks out about her sending the slave whore to <laughs> to um, <laughs> ask him to dinner, basically, and and hits her and drags her into the into Danny's tent, and he's all pissed off. You do not, you know, order the dragon around, and and she's like, bro, like I was just. I wasn't giving you orders. I was Bro. just asking you to come if you wanted to come to dinner. Like I was trying to be cool, you know. And I plus like cheer up. I got you a gift. And he's like Dothraki rags, you know. And he sounds like such a bitch when he's whining in this scene. Like it's his vocal inflections oh, no. are just like hilarious. Uh, Harry Lloyd is, is awesome. It doesn't help that he looks like a pretty little girl. You know, he's know. not like yeah. big like Cal Drago is. He's he's more of a petite. <laughs> excuse me a petite guy and then of course i have that white hair on him yeah sometimes it's hard to tell who's prettier daenerys or him (laughs) yes he's all pissed off whining and now you've woken the dragon (laughs) yeah right dude (laughs) (laughs) yeah which which he's like on top of her and he's about to he's pulling off his belt i think and he's about to like whip her with his belt and she reaches over and grabs one of the one of her gifts that she just had made to him with the the uh, the belt with the bronze medallions yeah. and whack slaps him across the face with it and cuts his face cuts his face and he's just like taken aback like stunned like he's spent his whole life as a princeling nobody's ever talked back to him nobody's no. ever done anything you know he's never had to to like actually fight somebody or or compete in any in any way so the fact that the little his little sister who's basically has been his slave his whole life he just sold her to some fucking warlord you know and who he he said he'd let all of his, his tribe and all of their 40,000 oh, yeah. horses rape her God, you know what I mean? that's horrid. And, sh- and she's thought to strike him you know and so he's completely like thrown off guard by this and she stands up i am a khaleesi of the dothraki i'm the wife of the great call and i carry his son inside of me the next time you raise a hand to me will the will be the next the last time time you have have hands and i was just like oh shit drop the mic (laughs) drop the mic (laughs) drop the whole fucking case of mics (laughs) you know blow up the mic factory (laughs) and uh sennheiser is smoldering off in the corner and uh, so since she's talking with Jorah about it and she's like traumatized, I hit him. I hit the dragon. You know? Dragon. Jorah's like, your brother Rhaegar was the last dragon. This series is less than the shadow of a snake, which is a great line as well. And, um, you know, Danny's like, well, they're, but they're, you know, they're waiting for him. They're sewing their dragon banners and all this, all this. And Jorah <laughs> shatters that illusion Nobody's waiting. You know, all the common people care about is having food and being able to survive, you know? And she's like, starts to put two and two together. Like, oh, like we're being played, you know, Viserys is a weak fool, um, which is great to see her realize that. And she realizes that he'll never take them home and that he'll never lead the Kalazar because he's weak and they respect strength. Um, (laughs) So it's just like that moment. It's like, that's the moment Danny's born, like yeah, the Danny we really know, is. is when she hits him, and then talks to Jorah and puts things in perspective. And so it's it's awesome to see that Danny for the first yeah. time now, well, knowing where she is. Well, it's a very short period of time where she goes from being, you know, a young girl being basically raped to taking control of that situation. 
to yeah i, embra- I wonder how much time has passed we yeah. don't really have um, a good to, gauge. Oh, sorry i didn't mean to cut that's you off. right to embracing her role as a khaleesi to right. standing up to her brother to becoming pregnant with what will be the next call or whatever so a lot has happened to make her realize her importance in the world in a short period of time yeah. She's like, listen, bitch, I'm a queen in my own right. Yep. You know, like I'm a Khaleesi. Like at maybe this point you're not the I... dragon. Maybe I'm the dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I th- yeah, she's if she didn't realize that when when uh, Jorah said that Rhaegar was the last yeah. dragon, she shortly realizes yeah. that. <laughs> you know, wow, really powerful moment. Mm-hmm. Great to see, especially knowing where Danny is now yes. and how powerful and and um, and caring she has become mm-hmm. to see to see her you know having that that same mindset and developing the power uh now is just thrilling it is so um that's pretty much my number my number two is danny you know stepping up yep smacking down that shadow of a snake realizing the truth and uh you know taking the first steps to becoming Daenerys Stormborn, you know the, the all, real all the titles, Daenerys. all of yeah. the names that we hear. I don't yeah, even she, know what they all are. Mother of Dragons. She got her first title. Yes. You know, she like really became her first title. That you know, Khaleesi of the Great Grass Sea. This mm-hmm. episode, so that's awesome to see. Yep. So your number one. What do you got? I bet you five dollars that my number one and your number one are the same. I bet you fifty dollars <laughs> they're different. Okay. No, I don't want to bet $50. I only want to bet $5. <laughs> okay. Okay. I don't have $50. Uh, <laughs> probably, probably a good a good move because they're probably they're not going to be the same. I, I I was like picking things. What is she not going to pick? You know? so, oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, so just so we didn't have too much crossover, which we ended up having like, quite a bit. I feel like this scene is so pivotal and we haven't talked about it yet, so it wasn't any of your other ones. Um, Obviously, the scene at the crossroads between Caitlyn and Tyrion. Um, ah, yes, this was not my number one. Wow. So, boom. You, you would have owed me 50 smackers. You don't even have it in your top five? How is that nope. possible? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know either. I, fig- I don't know. I fig- so <laughs> yeah. to me, this is the scene that starts the dominoes falling for everything that happens. Absolutely. Now, I know people will say, no, it goes back to Bran being pushed out the window. Bran being pushed out the window then led to this, this, and this. Yes, no, kind no, no, of, no. but no. This is it. This, this is the is first the... offensive action yes. between houses. Because the thing with Bran, Bran being pushed out the window, they could have gotten away with that. Tyrion isn't really the one that did what she thinks that he did. Um, other, you know, this could have gone many different ways. But her capturing Tyrion starts the chain of events that leads to Ned's death. This leads to Rob Stark becoming King of the North, and it ultimately leads to his death and Catelyn's death, and you know Sansa, what happens to her with Joffrey and Arya having to run off. Like this leads to everything that happens to me. Yeah, it's the f- it's the first outward confrontation yeah. between the two houses. There's the no denying. The was in secret. Yeah, there's yeah, no denying knows about that. There's no denying. Yeah. Once she captures him, there's no denying what happens here, who did it. You can't be like, oh, that's not what I meant by it. You know, so there's no talking your yeah. way out of this. It's- this is the first pawn on the chessboard actually moving so everybody can see it. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, totally. So, and, they, and the filming of the scene was so incredible. And the fact that it was the scene that cuts to the, the credits, you know, when 
she first first she's in that inn and she's trying to like go unnoticed because she's not traveling with a huge entourage and she is someone that you know bad people might take advantage of if they found her on the road they could think to kidnap her for a ransom she's or, worth a lord yeah ransom, like there's a literally. whole bunch of stuff so <laughs> she's trying to stay like kind of hidden and not say who she is and then like Tyrion, the one person you know that she thinks played a role in this assassination on her son um thanks stumbles thanks in. to peter he stumbles in and not only stumbles in but like points her out yeah, so and that it, leaves her nothing to do. Too. Yeah, <laughs> and his attitude, like as he's walking in, like yeah. clinking his coin. Who's got a room for me? You know, <laughs> manipulating, using his power. Yeah. And to, then like... that's where we meet Bronn, who I forgot was even in that scene. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. So I love so, Jerome Flynn's. The then when she like... stands up, when I was like, okay, he just called out my name. Now everybody knows who I am. So she starts pointing at the people in the room who she recognizes, the houses that they're from, and how those houses have basically sworn their allegiance to hers. And Tyrion is like, um... What is happening something here? Something is happening. Like, what the yeah, fuck? Exactly. He knows, like... What in the actual fuck? Something <laughs> is happening here. And then it ends with all of them, like, pointing their swords at him, and then it just goes to credits. It's just like, this is it. This is... The first four episodes might have been introductions to everything, and this is where we start. Yep. This is where the story begins. Um, yeah. Totally badass. And, oh, just as a side note... My heart broke for the tavern wench when uh, <laughs> when uh, Tyrion points out Lady Stark and she's just like, Lady Stark? Uh, and sort of like shrinks yeah. and starts to like, you know, she's embarrassed and you know, she would have made things nicer if if the ladies, if she'd known that Lady Stark would be coming to her, her right, tavern, right. her little inn, which no, you know, the lords never do properly. So my heart broke for her in that moment. That's sweet. She, she felt so embarrassed and sort of shrank a little bit. I, <laughs> I don't know. It just hurt. It hurt me. I have a soft spot for cripples, bastards, broken things, and, and small folk as well. And bar wenches. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Um, such a powerful scene. She's calling out all the different houses. You know, my, you fought for my father in this battle or... You blah 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 did this. We've been friends forever. Yeah, and I remember watching I it the first sigil. time, and I was kind of like Tyrion, and like, what is going on here? What's about to happen? Yeah, because I'm de dumb. Definitely. So. <laughs> and then at the end, she what does she say? Um, what she? There's a really powerful quote right at the end. She's like, "All of you, this man entered my house." And attempted, you know, conspired to assassinate my son, a boy of 10. You know, I call, uh, and, and in the name of the good King Robert, I call upon you all to help me return him to Winterfell and to await the king's justice. justice. Yep. And whoosh, you hear a million chairs slide out. Yep. And, just, and the sling of the swords. Being yeah. And sheath. And then it's just like points and points and points of these blades all at Tyrion. And it's like, in his mind, he's like, you could have just used daggers, you know, <laughs> bring it down to size. Come on, guys. Yep. This is a little excess. <laughs> uh, like, really? You all have to point your swords at me? What am I going to do? Uh, right. Magic is dead at this point. Right? <laughs> so, yeah, super powerful moment. Um, yeah, I don't know how that didn't end up in my top five, but <laughs> did you I, figured, watch I must have figured you would mention it. I did. Okay. I did. I, I swear I did. <laughs> um, anything else you want to add for that? No, I'm just anxiously awaiting what your top one is. Oh, well, it's, yeah, I mean, it's it's not like necessarily the craziest thing about the episode. It's just what ended up being a, uh, a 
at this position, but um, it's just a reiteration of my uh, one of my points from the previous weeks, which is the ever looming threat of the the long night and the um, the north, like the cold, essentially. And uh, it comes from the scene where Alistair Thorne walks in on John and Sam playing around roughhousing in the in the mess hall, and he talks. Um, he's you know he's he's talking with them and starts to talk about how they're you know they're they're weak little boys you know men who the men who he talks about how he had gone and been stuck on the north side of the wall for six months on a trip that was supposed to be two week mission and he says you know the men who fought for Mance are hard men harder than you'll ever be either of you and um, little does you know that those hard men all up end up fighting for John which is pretty cool Um, but then he goes on this big monologue about how you don't know cold neither of you do the horses died first. Didn't have enough to feed them, to keep them warm. <laughs> Eating the horses was easy. But later when we started to fall, that wasn't easy. Should have had a couple boys like you around. <laughs> and he talks about eating Sam and how he would have lasted to eat for a couple weeks. <laughs> yeah. And they would have still had stuff to make uh, soup out of his bones and whatnot. And it's like, damn, dude. Like, just I'm, I'm thinking about it in the context of how this whole thing fucking continent is going to be in these wintry conditions yeah. um, in a couple of years and they're going to be running out of food danny just in season seven just burned all the supplies from the reach um that were going to king's landing for all the you know like all the grain and everything like dumb move yeah kill the soldiers keep the grain what was man. that called the loot train the loot battle train yeah <laughs> yeah, great I keep thinking name. of Loot Crate. You know, you get those advertisements yeah. <laughs> on Facebook for Loot Crate, and I'm thinking that's I've what got, they're delivering. I've loot crates before, before. <laughs> yeah, those things are funny. Um, yeah, and there's in video games, like in Destiny, you get loot crates mm-hmm. and stuff where you find supply drops and stuff. But yeah, I was just—it's just so ominous, like the story of of you know nearly freezing to death and having to eat your sworn brothers to survive, and. Uh, just thinking about, I was thinking about John having to eat Danny, or you know, or something like crazy like oh that. Oh my god! Like who knows? We haven't really talked about cannibalism. Um, in terms of the story, I've never really talked with anybody about cannibalism. This is the first time that I've really focused on having it um, be a concept in the story. But uh, it's the seed has been dropped, so we could see cannibalism in the future theoretically, which would be horrifying. Um, yeah, that's my number one, just the, the looming threat of winter. That we know what that. that means now better than we did yeah. at that time. Definitely. Um, I mean, we had, you know, a little bit of an idea having seen yeah. the White Walkers once. Yeah, I but mean, we, we know, keep hearing, we, really we keep now. hearing that winter's coming, winter's coming. I mean, when we were watching this the first time around, how many seasons were like, ah, is winter here yet? <laughs> Yeah, seriously. People, <laughs> what did they, they had the, uh, the South Park episodes, the, uh, three parters. Oh, I didn't see Where this. they, um. Yeah, the Red Robin wedding. Oh my God, I need to see this. <laughs> so George R. R. Martin no. invite invites like Butters <laughs> and Kyle or Stan or something in, and they're they're asking about like something that's happening on the show. And he ordered pizza, and he keeps pro- keeps promising them the pizza's coming, the pizza's coming. <laughs> Just listen, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah. and they're like, when are we gonna see dragons? <laughs> and he's like, this happens and this happens, and there's gonna be dragons. At this point, and they're like, where's the pizza, too? And they're like, the pizza's coming, just like winter is always coming, but never arrives. (sighs) Well, I hope when the pizza finally arrives, it's in a huge abundance. 
Yeah. <laughs> and it <laughs> keeps arriving for a long time. Forever. I love pizza. Me now too. I'm going to have to order pizza. <laughs> yeah. um, as soon as we're done with this, that's what I'm doing. Mm, pizza. Pizza and calculus too. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, but yeah, if you guys haven't seen those South Park episodes and you're fans of South Park and Game of Thrones, uh, definitely watch those. They're really good. I can't remember what they're called, but there's three parts and they were like three years ago. So Wait. you can find them easily enough. Just Google Game of Thrones South Park episodes. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's my number one. Uh, any Any other notes that you want to talk about? Never remembered that one thing to shout out. So, All right, well, I'll, I'll start bringing up yeah, notes. Yeah, you bring and, up your notes. Uh, Maybe it'll jog some memories for me. A little spitball. So um, let's see. We 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 see Tyrion as he gets back to Winterfell, and he's not happy about being there. The saddle thing is really cool. We now know that Tyrion is near the dragons. There's one remaining dragon that hasn't been claimed John could ride it. Tyrion could ride it. I feel like there's been foreshadowing um, throughout the series of Tyrion being very important, casting a large shadow. Yeah. Um, you know, even even a small man can cast a large shadow, I think they said in one of the episodes. And, you know, really a way to cast a really big shadow is to be high up in the sky. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so if Tyrion utilized one of these saddles, which he's obviously familiar with having used them himself... If he could utilize one for flying a dragon, which would be cool. He Foreshadowing could. for that, potentially. Um, there's a really cool moment, which one of our listeners wrote in about. I wanted to mention it on the main part of the podcast as well, but we'll we'll, um, we'll read her comment as well when we get to the uh, Raven's Calls. Tyrion is talking with Theon, who goes to see him right as he's leaving. And uh, they're talking about all this stuff, and the- uh, Theon's recommending he go visit Roz. <laughs> who seems to be a frequent topic of conversation <laughs> in this episode. And um, he, Theon calls Catelyn Lady Cat or something, and Tyrion interrupts him and says, your loyalty to your captors is touching. And that sort of foreshadows his future loyalty to Reek, or to, um, yeah. to Ramsay as Reek when he's really being held captive yeah. and when he really learns what it is to be a captive. <laughs> you know what I mean? <sighs> So that was just a cool little hint. At I'm not Theon's looking forward future. to rewatching those scenes. Oh man, I am. <laughs> <laughs> he earns it. <laughs> you know. I just remember it going it, on and on and on and on. Yeah, it's it's brutal. I mean, yeah, I'm not necessarily looking forward to watching them, mm-hmm. but but uh, <laughs> yeah, you know, you know what I mean. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> so then, um, they're they're also talking about the. The burning of the fleet at Lannisport, which is a pretty interesting mention mm-hmm. by Tyr- by Tyrion, who's talking talks about how you know the Greyjoys burned the Lannister fleet, and um, during the Greyjoy Rebellion, and we have a lot of mentions of the Greyjoy Rebellion this episode yeah. as well. Um, and Theon mentions that you know Tyr- Tyrion says it was a stupid rebellion after Theon mentions that they were outnumbered ten to one. But I thought that was cool that they mentioned burning the fleet because the uh, they we men- we hear that mentioned in season seven between Jamie and Euron yeah. <clears throat> when um when Euron you know, Jamie says oh you rode to you you sailed to Lannisport and burned the fleet so this is a recurring thing that's something that's probably not oft referenced in the history of of the game of of Game of Thrones you know Westerosi history but is obviously you know a pretty important um, event yeah. So we get that. We get mention of 
of the Greyjoy Rebellion again when Jory is talking with Jamie Lannister and we learn that they've fought side by side, yeah. which is particularly sad to note, especially what is it next episode when <laughs> when Jamie shoves a dagger through Jory's eye? See, I'd forgotten and, about Jory until I started this rewatch. And I was just like, oh, yeah, Jory, I remember him. And yeah, now like I'm a, gonna be a beloved again. guy of Winterfell. Like, everybody loves Jory. You know, he's <laughs> Ned's right-hand man, mm-hmm. essentially. Highly respected, highly loved by everybody. People are super disappointed when Jory dies. But yeah, we get the, uh, the talk of Thoros of Mir wielding his flaming sword, jumping through the breach of the pike walls and we get that mentioned in um the the se- the episodes in season seven where the 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 the, the east watch seven go beyond the wall and jorah and thor and thoros are talking the about east how watch they seven. fought together <laughs> yeah the east watch seven yeah that's what i call them they're talking about how they um they fought together at pike and jorah says thoros was like the bravest man that he'd ever seen you know yeah jumping through the breach with his flaming sword and fighting <clears throat> and uh, sorry and thoros says no i wasn't wasn't the bravest man just the drunkest you know which yeah. <laughs> is a great line but all these cool throwbacks in season seven to this first season when we're hearing about this stuff i had forgotten that we had specifically heard thoros wielding his sword being mentioned yeah me too fighting at p at fighting at um at pike so here we are hearing this now and i'm like oh wow we actually was mentioned so that's really cool Lots of mentions of the Greyjoy Rebellion. Theon, you know, is always getting shit for being cool with his Starks. Like your, yeah. your, um, you know, your, the way your 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 loyalty to your captors is, you know, amusing to Tyrion. Yeah, and, and that- when I was watching this the first time through, I kept confusing Rob and Theon. The two actors kind of had a similar oh, look right. to them. And yeah, similar back facial then, structure. Before I got like really clear on who hair. you know everybody's facial features, the main characters, and all of that, I would confuse those two. So as we were learning like Theon's story, it was confusing to me because I would confuse the actors and the characters. You know, right. now that I know everybody so well, uh, it was fun to rewatch and really get that story and understand it this time. Yeah, definitely really cool to uh, get a, like a grasp on <laughs> the backstory of Theon yeah. and understand it in context um and it's it makes sense to confuse them too because they were like buddy buddy like they were like the two like bro migos yeah and like you know, john snow <laughs> you know kit harrington is so like different yeah he's so different like you know that one and so then the other two it was like i kept confusing him yeah whereas rob and theon are both more like laughing and yeah, they have like curly hair they got same curly brown hair, hair. Yeah, yeah similar um dialect or the way they talk is more similar to than john who right. seems to talk more like ned <laughs> I, I wrote down damn viserys is such a dick after that bathtub scene such a dick. and uh i liked i liked that scene though it's a really cool scene like she's getting all hot you know and when, when he's talking about the dragons and mm-hmm. whatnot <laughs> I was like, damn, I wish I had a cool dragon story to tell some girl like that. (laughs) That would be cool as hell. Well, Um, he was paying her, so. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Although her true attitude starts to come through later after he, after the facade drops and he's like, get on with it. Yeah. And she's just like, looks like she's doing her job and Well, because he turned it into such a, he turned it into like. They were both kind of getting hot and heavy, and then all of a sudden he was just like a dick. So then, like, what are you going to do? Yeah, she's like, oh, that's so sad. And he's like, what did I hire you for? What did I buy you for? To make, to make me, me sad. sad. <laughs> like, God, uh, but damn, she's gorgeous. Um, so just that made me really enjoy that scene. 
But there was lots of cool stuff within the scene as well. Like we talked about the dragons and he's listing off the names and they just have these cool exotic sounding names. I can't remember the first couple, which sounded really cool. It just turned her on as well. Um, But, um, you know, Vermithor, Meraxes, Balerion, the Black Dread. I'm like, damn, this is so fucking cool (laughs) when I was watching it the first time. And then he's saying stuff like, you know, Balerion, the breath of the greatest dragon, forged the Iron Throne, which the usurper is keeping warm for me. (laughs) It just made me laugh. Like, he's such a dumbass. (laughs) Um, So much cool stuff. Then as we finally arrive to Vais Dothrak, we see these massive horse statues, like like with their their front legs raised, sort of clanging together as if they're fighting like deer, the way deer fight, you know, punching each other with their front legs. I was watching this, and this time around, I'm like, knowing more about the Dothraki culture, they don't build, really. They're nomadic. They're lots of people um, just kind of traipsing around the through the grasses, hunting and gathering and scavenging or, you know, whatnot. They're more like hunter-gatherer type um, civilization. Right. They don't plant roots. They don't build big buildings. So seeing these these massive horse statues, and I know Vase Dothrak is a place where they, you know, they they capture they they conquer cities take their gods and their idols and drag their statues to dothrak face dothrak to display as their their the you know the the loot of war essentially mm-hmm. but i can't think of any place else that would have these two massive horse statues so i'm thinking are these dothraki creations to mark their mother city but then again they they don't have any buildings or anything so they seem sort of out of place to me. They seem anachronistic, like the Dothraki wouldn't have the technology or capability to create them in the first place. But, you know, there's such a horse-driven community. Right, like they're the ones that would have this. You know, they're horses. Right. This is like a more like a Bravosi thing where they have these massive, this massive Bravosi titan before you enter their city. So I'm wondering... Where did these come from? Did they come from another civilization? Hmm. Are they were they built by the Dothraki? They like I said, they're an anachronism as far as yeah. I'm concerned. They don't seem like they belong to this civilization at this time period with this level of technology. Maybe they um, came across and they're like, Oh, this is where we're gonna set up camp because horses. We have horses. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, little guys, we belong here. Uh, Yeah, so um, I do a lot of research into this type of stuff in in the real world, and when you come upon things like like nanocarbon spirals found 150 yards under Russia in mining operations, um, (laughs) these are called uparts, out of place artifacts. Hmm. And if you're interested in that concept and things that are found where they shouldn't be. Like the Piri Reese map discovered, um, or which supposedly was made in the 1400s, copied from an older map that details the outline of Antarctica under the ice. What? You know, things like, yeah, like things like that, showing the full coast of South America and Africa at the same time. Um, things like that. If you're interested in stuff like that, that things that are out of place in reality that sort of hint at maybe a greater lost knowledge, look at this book called. Dead Men's Secrets by Jonathan wow. Gray. Dead Men's Secrets by Jonathan Gray. It's a compilation of over a thousand archaeological anomalies, anachronisms, and uparts, out of place artifacts. Um, you guys might really get a kick out of that. It's pretty, pretty fascinating. One of the coolest books I've ever read. So we got the uparts. <laughs> then uh, <laughs> Viserys is all pissed about Drogo, or you know, um, called Drogo, marching the wrong way with his quote unquote my yeah. army, yeah. you know. And, like eye rolling. Then we learn another backstory. We get 
Sandor's sad backstory. We get Sam's sad backstory. And then we mm-hmm. get Jorah's sad backstory as well. Yep. Poor Jorah, who just wanted to, you know, impress his super hottie wife that he was all down with, Liness Hightower. And then um, and she, Yeah, and she wasn't digging the sparse Bear Island type lifestyle. So, yeah, she ended up, um, he, he was exiled, <laughs> and she ended up with another guy <laughs> in another place with another man. You know, I'm like, oh, <laughs> brutal. Um, yeah. George is just always going to be in the friend zone. Oh, I'm, I'm, <laughs> I'm, in this, uh, I'm in this group on Facebook um, called A Song of Ice and Fire, where it's like, there's like 70,000 members or something oh like that. God. And they're always posting these really cool, um, like, original artwork coupled with quotes from the books or, you know, things like that. I get a lot of ammo from this Facebook group to post in the Game of Microphones Facebook page. Mm-hmm. People seem to enjoy it. So um, for some reason, I'm not sure why, they have a list of guidelines for participating in this group, A Song of Ice and Fire, on Facebook. And one of the things that they say is that all mention of the friend zone is banned. 100%. Like, you do not Sorry. talk about the... No, it's not the case with this podcast. I know. <laughs> I'm just wondering... I've always wondered, like, why are they so hard set against mentioning the friend zone? Probably because all the members of that Facebook page have been friend zoned by hot girls. <laughs> oh, I, I... Yeah. I mean, I've... It's, you know, it's happened to me. It sucks, for sure. So I could sympathize with that. Um, yeah, so if anybody's, you know, part of that group and wants to message me to tell me, that'd be really cool. That would be awesome. We could talk I'll about s- it in next week's podcast. Yeah. Any other... Uh, any notes you want to bring up? Um, okay, so I did remember, I think, what I wanted to talk about, and now I'm not 100% sure it's this episode if it was a previous one, but it was Lancel. Was he in this one or the previous oh, one? Oh, <laughs> he was in the last one. Okay. The scene where they're talking about... Um, about uh, their first kills, Lancel yeah. Lannister. What kind of stupid name is that? <laughs> I um, it was just interesting seeing him in the way that he was in the beginning. He was so young, so and he different, had the long hair, and he and I had to actually skinny look, face. Yeah, and I had to actually look up and go, "Is that the same actor?" And I looked it him is. up, and it is. And he becomes such a stronger character in 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 a jerk that we hate. Um, so it's yeah, kind of. Some- fun to see him here again as this like little weasley skinny skinny weenie little guy dude, yeah, like, yeah such a little weenie guy <laughs> so funny oh man yeah and he we get to you see him like pretty much naked i think yes like, in, an, <laughs> in an episode in the future after he yes. gets out of bed with cersei man imagine if jamie found out Whew, be bad news <laughs> at least before such, he loses his hand she's such a little she's a sloot she is a sloot yeah, yeah, for it's sure. A family sleep. <laughs> Do you remember uh, what Ned gave twenty of his household guard for? No. In this episode, he um, they're, ta- they're they're meeting and they're talking about like the tournament and everything, and yes. they need to find troops for some purpose. And Ned yes. gives twenty of his household guard. I don't remember what yes. for, but I was watching I, it. Do you remember what? for? It was because there's more people in town because of this tournament that was going to happen. Okay, and so it's they're for being the unruly, and the the guy that's the head of the the guard for the town. I forget what that's called. The uh, the gold cloaks? Yeah. City Watch? Yeah, so that Janice guy... Janice Slint. Yes, him. He was saying that he couldn't manage... Like, he was needing money or something to protect because it was getting kind of crazy out there in the streets because of the people coming into town for this tournament. Okay. So that sucks that Ned is giving up some of his own personal yes. protection, especially considering he would have really... Could he probably use those guys... Um, 
in that throne room scene and later. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. When yeah, with the Baelish betrayal and whatnot. <clears throat> the double B. Well, and it's um, that cloak guy that that takes him in, right? Janice Slint, yeah. Yeah. So Oh, does he ever pay for that when Jon Snow cuts his fucking head off? Yes. Which is great. Uh <laughs> yeah. Arya Arya seems to be taking her lessons from Sirio pretty mm-hmm. seriously which is cool um yes. she's balancing on the steps she's so cute she's, she's like so this adorable. little so, such an adorable little kid balancing on the steps tomorrow i'll be chasing cats father mm-hmm. you know and uh ned's talking with her and oh yes you, you must be pretty fast you got to be fast to catch cats <laughs> and uh, she's she says uh can, she wants to be Lord of a whole fast, hold fast. Can I be Lord of a hold fast? <laughs> you know? She's like, and his father's like, you will marry a high Lord, my, my love. And you'll, your children will be princes and you know, all this stuff. No. And she's like, no, that's not me. And walks off and yeah. it really isn't. And she no, knew, <laughs> she knew. And, uh, we didn't know quite to the degree, <laughs> yep. but, uh, yeah, she's going to be one of those faceless men that, um, the whore slave, the slave whore <laughs> talks about, <Yeah. laughs> which is really cool. Ned, it's interesting he because he's such an honorable dude. He's never thought about having spies or eyes in places. And no, he's walking along with little fingered and he's almost getting the, too like he's too not innocent but um naive naive yeah 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 it's sad. Um, so he's getting the lay of the land with Littlefinger walking along and see that little boy over there scrubbing the the thing. That's one of my spies. You know, that's one of the queens, and that's one of various, and he's just like, fuck, this place is ridiculous. And um, I thought it was great, too. um, When, um, you know, in season seven, right before Littlefinger gets the uh, the dagger, (laughs) Bran had said to him, you know, you put your dagger to his throat, to to Ned, and said, "Um, I told you, I warned you not to trust me. Yep. And we get the first... um, one of the first um, references of this, to that concept in this episode, when Baelish points Ned to go to the blacksmiths, and Ned tells him, perhaps I was unwise to have mistrusted you. And Baelish said, oh, mistrusting me was the wisest thing you've yes. done since you climbed off your horse. Yep. So there we go. We have uh, Baelish, or Baelish telling Ned not to trust him, yeah, which is what he's did. referencing um, at that moment when he puts a knife me. to his throat. Yeah. So all these, I love how all these seasons are so connected. Ugh, Season one and seven show. specifically. Yeah. I liked um, just the mention of, of when Jamie is outside Robert's chambers and talking with Jory, who he kills um, maybe even next episode. very sadly, considering especially how Jory, Jory's trying to be nice and, you know, be friendly and, oh, will you, will you, will you give this to the king? I don't take orders from Lord Stark, you know. But uh, Jamie's talking about how Robert loves to whore, and he's got like three whores in his chambers. He loves to do that when Jamie's on duty and insult his sister. Yeah. Um, which is a pretty funny um, thing. It just gives you a little insight into Jamie, like what Jamie has to deal with and mm-hmm. the dynamics of um, of the relationship between the Lannisters and the um, the Baratheons. And uh, yeah, I think that, that pretty much... You know, covers most of my notes. It was awesome to see Bronn, like we mentioned again. <laughs> um, it was cool seeing the mountain for the first time and yeah. seeing Sansa like, good gods, who is that giant man? You know? Yeah. Which is interesting. And that's the first of three actors who have played the mountain. Yeah. Uh, they had this guy in this season, and then he's gone after this. 
and we have a different guy who plays him in season two at Hall, and that guy plays the Giants as well. Oh, really? In the current seasons. Yeah, he's the guy that's under like the giant prosthetics. Ah. Is, uh, I'm pretty sure is a season two mountain guy. So he's still acting on the show. He's just not playing the mountain anymore. Yeah. Which is cool. Good for that guy. You know, he still gets to be on the coolest show like ever. Yep. Um, may not get to play that awesome character, but they did pick somebody who fits the role better. Yeah. Finally, they finally, after, you know, that Russian roulette, like spin in the chamber three times, they finally get the, you know, the money shot with Heifer <laughs> Thor Bjornsson, you know? <laughs> Who, uh, that guy's a beast, man. Wow. Yeah. Huge. All right, guys, let's take a quick break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. And we are back with news about Game of Thrones. Are you excited, Cindy? I am. Awesome. Let's see what we got. Our first item is an article from Movie Pilot. And now the end is near. Nikolai Coster-Waldo slams multiple endings idea for Game of Thrones. With HBO's Game of Thrones preparing to cover the wild world of Westeros in a blanket of snow for its final season. All bets are off on how the Savage Saga will come to a close. As showrunners David, um, David Benioff. Benioff and D.B. Weiss bring the fantasy frolic to an end in 2019, fans of the show are excitedly looking towards an endgame that, that will have been eight years in the making, and even longer if you consider the books. <laughs> mm-hmm. Like two decades. With rumors of the show filming multiple endings to tackle those spoilerific hackers, it sounds like a pretty clever plan to keep the climax a secret. And um, I was saying, damn, that would be so expensive. People yeah. would be pissed if they cut into the direwolf budget with that. Yeah. <laughs> and um, dragon budget. Yeah, the dragon budget. <laughs> well, they're not going to do. They're not going to cut into the dragon budget. No. That budget is safe. But the direwolves, we have yeah. to worry about. <laughs> However, while Benioff and Weiss may be using some Cersei Lannister esque cunning to outmaneuver their enemies, it seems that not everyone is a fan of the plan. The end is nigh. Um, speaking to Marie Claire, Nikolai Coster Waldo, aka Jamie Jamie Lannister, slams the whole idea as being pretty stupid, <laughs> and doesn't think it'll ever happen. Do you think that's true? It seems really stupid to me. I mean, if it's true, I don't believe it, but I don't know. Maybe. They, <laughs> he says, <laughs> the news comes after HBO president Casey Bloys announced that Thrones would try to keep its final season tightly under wraps, which we've covered previously, given that season seven was so spectacularly leaked far and wide. The season, uh, the idea itself is nothing new with shows like Lost filming multiple Man in the Coffin scenes and The Walking Dead keeping Negan's victims to secrets with a variety of different deaths. However, most shows are relatively cheap to make compared to the sprawling spectacle that is Game of Thrones. Coster Waldo makes it, um, takes it further and says that he doesn't think the network could waste so much money for something that will never see the light of day. I mean, I haven't read the script, so unless they will show several endings that could be a twist, they're not going to waste that money. They know how expensive it is to shoot. You're not going to waste $100,000 a day to shoot something that's not, that you're not going to use. It's not going to happen. And that's my horrible Nikolai Costa-Waldo as Jamie Lannister impression. Mm-hmm. It wasn't horrible. <laughs> it's not as good as your Jon Snow, but it wasn't horrible. Jon Snow... However, with a ballpark figure of 15 mil per episode for the final run of the show, it isn't like we're running low on money here. HBO will be breaking into the Iron Bank to give us <laughs> six show-stopping <laughs> episodes. So what's a few thousand dollars between friends? What's a little spinal fluid between you and a friend? Yeah. 
to quote um, <laughs> Eminem randomly, <laughs> <laughs> HBO will, um, okay, whether or not Benioff and Weiss really will go with the multiple endings idea remains to be seen, but um, what is sure to be one of the most watched televisual events of the 21st century, keeping the spoiler hounds at bay may be a good idea. Anyway, anyway, multiple, anyway, anyway, multiple <laughs> endings might make DVD like might make awesome DVD or Blu-ray extras. That's what I'm hoping for. Yeah. That'd be really cool. Yeah. If they do decide to waste millions of dollars doing that, um, at least we'll hopefully be able to see them on Blu-ray. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that was, uh, the first article. Any thoughts on that? What do you think it's going to have? You think they're going to do it or. <sighs> I don't know. I mean, it <laughs> is such a big production. It's it's one thing to film multiple versions of who Negan kills in a scene um, while you're all there at that scene. Right. That's this is like a whole bunch of stuff that would need right. to be Right. And in fact, they even use that, those shots for Negan when you saw kind of Rick imagining everybody dying. Yeah, so they ended up actually right. using that footage. Whereas right. this, whatever might be happening, seems like it'd be so much more involved. Yeah, I can't imagine how much money, like, oh yeah. my God. It's just staggering. And I mean, the they time. Wouldn't... I mean, you might as well film more episodes if you're going to film all that. Yeah. <laughs> right? Oh man, I'm really hoping they go two hours of pop. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Okay, so our next item is from Pretty52, an article. There's loads of new characters coming in Game of Thrones Series 8. Sure, let's just throw lots of new people in right at the end. Yeah. Last week, we found out that Kit Harington and Rose Leslie were engaged after meeting on the show. Oh, you you read that right out of the article, didn't you? No, I didn't. (laughs) It just made me feel that way. <laughs> yeah, although, and I'm sure just ovaries were exploding everywhere in sadness or shriveling, I should say. I think um, they're so, a cute couple. Yeah, definitely, and the show as well. Although, obviously, it didn't end particularly well on the show. <laughs> um, no. <laughs> well, despite the fact that Rose's character is no more, it's nice to know that she's being replaced. Game of Thrones' <laughs> final run is going to introduce a number of important characters. This was all but confirmed thanks to Game of Thrones' fan site, Watchers on the Wall, which has discovered the show's producers have put out a casting call for eight new characters, many of whom will ap- appear to have a small, have small but pivotal roles. One of the characters is described as an authoritative, fit, cool, and charismatic, oh, charismatic m- mercenary. That describes me to a T. I was thinking that exact same thing. That's crazy. Great minds, Cindy. Great yep. minds. With fans speculating they will be uh, part of the golden company that Euron Greyjoy heading, headed off to find for Cersei. Another is a, quote, quote, rough and ready sailor with a strong presence, likely an ironborn who will play a role as Theon tries to rescue his sister Yara. That sounds like you. <laughs> rough and ready sailor, matey. Yes, or Jason. Indeed. That could be Jason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there will be the next one. Sounds like me. There will be an introduction of uh, two new guards, as well as a northern farmer and a here's me sassy and attractive northern girl. No, that's me. That's me. Okay, fine. You can go that. <laughs> so two new two northern guard or two new guards. Um, northern farmer, sassy and attractive northern girl. Fans have also been speculating about the return of one of the show's popular 
albeit non-human characters, following a noted absence during the entire last season. That would be uh, Ghost. Ghost. Ghost, or to quote Travis, um, <laughs> I want Ghost. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I get behind that statement. As Game of Thrones director Michael Sapochnik has explained, Ghost didn't feature during the Battle of the Bastards episode in season six because it was too pricey. It's actually oh. cheaper, apparently, to do the dragons. <laughs> I don't know how that makes sense, but apparently it's true. He says... Um, to Vanity Fair, mm. Ghost was in there in spades originally, but it's also an incredibly time-consuming and expensive character to bring to life. Ultimately, we had to choose between One One, the giant, who's our friend, the uh, Is that the actor. how you spell his name? One One, yeah. yeah I didn't know that. <laughs> it's part of a w- longer name, One Wag One Dar One, I think it okay. is. Um, so One One is a you know friendly nickname. Um, who's our friend, the uh, the mountain from season two, that actor. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, they had to choose between 1-1 and Ghost for the Battle of the Bastards. Aww. So, sadly, that's and that's what I'm talking about, this the, the direwolf budget yeah. getting hit on various occasions and having to choose between stuff and the direwolf, cool stuff and direwolves. Well, you know so, what I can say? If they maybe didn't go with 1-1 and they went with the direwolf, then maybe the direwolf would be dead. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I hope not. So. Um, I don't. I uh, I don't think so. I think you would have Made survived. It? Okay. Yeah, I think you would have. Definitely. We can't get to the end game without John having die, um, Ghost. Yeah, I I think that Ghost will die in the end game. Don't get me wrong. Stop it. Sadly, because <laughs> John has these par- parallels to the character, the Mithra. This, you know, the um, so Mithra has a white bull that he has to kill uh, at some point. No. So. Yeah, John may have to no, even kill his don't, own Stop it. Stop it right I know, now. I bring all these horrible theories that people are, you know, scream. I'm hanging up. <laughs> no! <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, similarly, Entertainment Weekly reporter James Hibbard says it's difficult to make the wolves appear realistic on screen cheaply. Quote, one reason we haven't seen the direwolves more often is that the producers set a high bar for visual realism on the series, and ultra-large wolves are difficult to render convincingly. It's really interesting. Um, the, the, the the techniques, I've, I'm interested to learn more about why that's so hard to do. Yeah, I mean, they made really good dragons, and there were giant wolves in um, Twilight. <laughs> maybe maybe it's because dragons, are the, you know, they're added onto the screen entirely, um, right. whereas with wolves... You take something that's on the screen and you have to change it so that you have right. to double film everything. Then you have to be able to, I don't know. I don't know. It's I'm, I'm interested to find out why. Um, a naturalistic furry animal takes more time and resources to create using computer effects than a fantastical scaly dragon. See, there's your answer right there. That's part of it. It's I'm just sure, what you said. There's more. There's, there, no, I, know, I know there's more to this. <laughs> But the newest season set to re- is set to receive an increased budget of $15 million per episode. Many fans believe that extra cash will mean more airtime for Ghost. Yay! I hope it does. And that's crazy, man. 15 mil per episode. And uh, it makes me think of Two and a Half Men. Wasn't it Charlie Sheen got like $2 million per episode for half an hour? Um, that is staggering. Staggering amount of money. I didn't for know that. one actor on one show, I think it was two two million. It may have been even more, wow. fifteen million or some crazy shit. Um, yeah. So our, that's it for that article. Our next item is from Fansided. Fansided. Maisie Williams is the first Game of Thrones star to arrive in Belfast for season eight. Ooh. Yep. Thanks to Nikolai Coster Waldo again. 
We know that filming on the eighth and final season of, of Game of Thrones begins in October, which is now, which is right around the corner when this article was written. <laughs> it looks like shooting may start up sooner in the month rather than later, as Maisie Williams has been spotted in Belfast, Northern Ireland, as the production, uh, which is the production center for the show. Williams is the first of the Game of Thrones cast members to be seen arriving in the city, but if history is any guide, we can expect to see a lot more of them to make their way there soon. It's kind of wistful, since this is the last time we get to um, do this particular song and dance. I'm sure the actors are feeling it, too. The production has been at work ahead of them. In particular, they've already been hard at work on the exterior Winterfell set at Moneyglass, Northern Ireland, doing fairly extensive renovations for this final round of filming. We reported about that, I think, a few weeks ago, too. But we will uh, keep an eye out for who arrives in the coming days and weeks. Then the long filming begins. There's no official word on how long it'll last, but Hollywood Reporter, speaking to HBO programming president Casey Bloys, said it could go as late as August of 2018. I think that's wow. more accounting for the production side of it, like the uh, the after... Right, um, post-production. You know, post-production stuff. All that kind of stuff. Which would make it the longest Game of Thrones production cycle yet. Oh, it's definitely going to be the longest production cycle yet. Yeah. Um, pair that with the huge budget for the season, and these final six episodes stand a chance of being something very special. And I cannot wait <laughs> to see how these episodes look. That was like the, the coolest thing for me when I started watching this show. I was just like, wow, everything just looks like money. Looks amazing. Yeah. Aesthetic I mean, is incredible. The title sequence. Is amazing. Yeah, totally. Then the, the wardrobe, all the armor and everything. It's just mm-hmm. fantastic. Our next item is from Winter is Coming. Maisie Williams discusses how she wants Arya's story to end. Maisie Williams has grown up playing Arya Stark. Having auditioned for the role at 12 years old, the now 20-year-old actress wow. reflected... I know. She, she doesn't even look 20 either. It's crazy. No. The now 20-year-old actress reflected on her personal and professional journey to High Snobiety magazine. (laughs) For a long time, I was just so in love with Arya, Williams said, admitting that it was sometimes hard to find scripts at the same level after getting her break on Game of Thrones. (laughs) I just thought she's the best thing ever and that no one else could touch her, and she was just incredible. Williams still loves Arya, of course. High high Snobiety. High Snobiety. Notes that she talks about Arya as if she's a real person. She is. With, Shut up. <laughs> but with Game of Thrones coming to an end, it's time to think of the future. Also, getting famous at such a young age came with its challenges, including getting exposed to a fair amount of cyberbullying. Ooh, yeah, that sucks. But Williams has learned to take that in stride, too. You don't really get a day off from being famous. One thing that helps is following the example set by castmates like Lena Headey or Lena Headey, or however you pronounce that. I always pronounce it differently. Yeah, me too. And devoting herself to charitable endeavors, especially those concerning animal welfare. If we all fight for the same thing, then all these other causes don't get solved, Maisie says. She's awesome. Like many of her fellow cast members, Williams is often compared to um, her character off-screen. And while some, like Headey, might not enjoy that, (laughs) since Cersei is such a bitch. Or Jack Gleason. Yeah, or Jack, yeah. Um... Williams sees a lot of similarities between herself and Arya, describing herself as hot-headed and quick to judge. You see that a lot this season, she says. She gets herself into trouble a few times. Ooh. Mm. 
but that's all right. So far as Williams is concerned, Arya and herself are a part of a, quote, new wave of characters being written and actresses coming into frame into fame that don't really stick to the norm. And she's proud of that. She points to Millie Bobby Brown's work as Eleven on Stranger Things mm-hmm. as another example. Millie's work was so great and the character is so amazing, she said. I have to second that while we're talking about it. Yes. Millie Bobby Brown has uh, ceaselessly amazed me, not only on the TV show, but in at times when I've seen her interviewed. Yeah. She seems like such an adult for being someone that's like 12 years old or some ridiculously young yeah. age like that. Um, I really hope that she, you know, seizes her opportunities and makes the most of what the, uh, you know, everything, all the chances that she's going to have considering her great work in the show. Yeah. I feel like she's a good person and deserves it. So continuing, it is just wonderful to see more young girls in those sorts of roles. I know that Arya was a part of that. Definitely. Mm-hmm. Um, it's made it okay to see little girls, not just in dresses. And it's okay for little girls to look like little boys. And it's not quite so shocking and awful anymore. As Game of Thrones nears its end, Williams has begun to think of what's next, both by finding new roles. She was in Boston for the new, um, in Boston for the interview to shoot x-men new mutants what (laughs) wow yeah i didn't know that and by helping other people um other young people find their voice through daisy chain productions a production company she started with dom sanstry daisy chain productions first project is a film called stealing silver Ooh, i could get behind that i really like silver (laughs) williams (laughs) i wouldn't necessarily want to steal it though williams will both play the lead and executive produce wow yeah Huge task for a 20-year-old. I want to give other people the opportunity to make incredible things, she said. There are so many members of my generation that have all that have all the talent and just no platform. But before she can really dive into that, she has to bid goodbye to Arya Stark, who, she admits, may be the most important um, role she'll ever play, no matter what she does from now on. She shared her hopes for how Arya's story could end, even if it's a long shot for this show. I just want her to be happy and be safe and for someone to look out for her. (laughs) She's become so independent and she's got quite a hard-ass attitude. I think that it'd be nice to have peace of mind that she's being protected by an elder. Not sure who that would be. The hound! She's had it rough. (laughs) Maybe the hound. The hound will marry Sansa and, uh, you know, protect Arya. (laughs) But she's had it rough and it'd be nice for her to have a nice hunk. Ooh, a nice oh, hunk. hunk. That could be Gendry. Oh, I've yes, Gendry. speculated about that quite a bit. Yes, yes, yes. Oh, when she says, I could be your family, that just broke me the yeah. first time. I'm looking that, forward to oh, seeing that's that That's great. Wow, wow. I'm going to have to mention that as we talk about that, too, because yeah. that could be foreshadowing them having a family together. Yeah. Although, I think they'll probably be betrothed and then she'll die or something. Shut up. <laughs> you know, <laughs> who knows? Um, oh, and the, the article continues to say, um, can't imagine that really happening. This is Game of Thrones. Uh, yeah. But in my world, that's what I would like for her. Well, Gendry is still out there. She said that? The article says that. Yeah, nice. Gendry's still out there. Um, actually, yeah, maybe she did say that because this seems to be in a quote. By, yeah. Um, yeah, so that's awesome. Yeah, she's that on the same awesome. page. Maybe it doesn't happen then unless she hasn't gotten the scripts yet because that would be something she would probably not say if it actually right, happened on the right. show. Unless she was like, unless she's trying to throw us off. Unless she thought, 
Yeah, unless she thought people would say she wouldn't say that because it was on the show, and so she did say it. But now you're just getting into circular thought patterns that could just go on forever, <laughs> which yep. I love doing. <laughs> All right, that's it for the news, and we move forward. Melissa, give us your Ravens calls. <laughs> Listener responses. And we're back for Ravens calls. You take the lead, Cindy. Uh, oh, sure. Uh, is it my... It's May. May. She talks about that right away. May Almardini says, hi there. So Duncan says my name perfectly. It's pronounced May as in the month. Sorry, I should have saw that. (laughs) Here are my notes for the next episode. And which is this episode and the following ones pretty soon after since I can't stop watching. Oh, she the one that said that she couldn't stop watching. She she's one of many. Okay, so not many notes for this episode. Tyrion to Theon, your loyalty to your captors, capturers is touching. Theon becomes loyal to Ramsay later on. And this is our listener who I mentioned earlier in the show. I couldn't remember who it was at yes. the time, but May, May, good May. eye. Really Ned good. to Ned to Pycelle. Poison is a woman's <clears throat> weapon. I think he thought it was Cersei. Arya to Ned. No, that's not me. <laughs> <laughs> Littlefinger should have been named Little Shit. Only truth, <laughs> only truth he spoke is that he should never be trusted. Also, Braun is in this episode. I never noticed that before. Yeah, same Bron. with me, May. Braun is the man. I yeah, I want to meet that guy. He seems like a oh, cool I would guy love to meet him. Kick back and you know chug a pint with that guy. You heard the story about him and Cersei, right? Oh yeah, okay. I don't really want to talk about nope. it. Like, it's personal stuff. We don't need to like. Nope. You know, highlight their personal lives and uh, draw attention to negativity and stuff like that. So that's one thing this podcast will do is avoid um, celebrity gossip, personal stuff. Yeah, hopefully. I mean, at least I want to avoid it. <laughs> um, but it is interesting, 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 interesting story. Um, so, yeah, I, I, yeah, a lot of good points there. Yep. I thought Ned is definitely suspicious that Cersei was the poisoner, um, which is further confirmed in his mind when she tells him, as I mentioned earlier, I'm trained to kill my enemies too. So he must, he's probably thinking yeah. that John Aaron was, um, had something against her, which only, only makes more sense when he figures out the whole bastard Joffrey thing. Mm-hmm. All right. AD Stout, Lady Alicia says, I legit had to pause from season two to go back to this episode. Sandy, this is our listener who said that she couldn't stop watching. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Lady Alicia. Ugh. Few observations. Oh, Hodor and Sam. Alistair Thorne is, was, until his death, always <laughs> is an asshole. <laughs> yeah. Loved when Jorah and Danny were speaking about the Dothraki crossing the narrow sea. Such a foreshadowing. Yes. Crazy. Um, also, in the beginning of the episode, was Bran just having a dream of being the Three-Eyed Raven, or was he actually warging into his direwolf? Too early for that yet, or perhaps just learning? I had forgotten how much I loved Tyrion and his sense of humor. The tone is so much different now. Doing my third or fourth series rewatch now, and it still amazes me how many new things I see. Yeah, I can, yeah, I can imagine. Good points, too. I think Bran was having a dream, um, and I think that the three-eyed raven was was visiting Bran in his dream at this mm-hmm. point. Um, okay. So that's my take. What about you, Cindy? I I didn't have a take of my own, but... I think I'll go with your take. Yeah, I think that's what it is. Like, I don't want to keep bring up book stuff, but there's a scene in the books where the three-eyed raven 
meets him in his dream and is like communicating with him and telling him he can fly and touches him in the middle of his forehead where his mm-hmm. third eye is and stuff and like pretty cool. So I think that it's uh, based on that. I think that he's he's actually communicating with Bran through his dreams. Um, Lucy Roberts says, I noticed that Viserys was hurt by a little candle wax, calls himself the dragon. Yeah, that was yeah. great too. Melted, yeah. you know, the dragon's yeah, that the breath have... of the greatest dragon melted the, the yeah. Iron Throne together like so many candles. And, and those, then... <laughs> those are things I didn't didn't notice or didn't know to notice the first time. But looking back, oh, like right. when she when she gets in that hot, when she gets in that hot water bathtub to get clean before she meets the cow, like yep. that water doesn't burn her at all. And here, a little candle wax makes him flinch. So these are little things that I, I didn't notice. He's not the dragon she is. Yeah, it's so crazy. She seems to be resilient or resistant to heat and yeah. fire, and he does not at all. Good uh, good catch there. Um, Jamila Nassar says, I noticed the set design quite a bit. You can tell how much the quality has changed. The hay all over the floor in the room where Tyrion met Rob stuck out to me. And damn, Theon is a jerk. <laughs> That's yeah, crazy. I, I I hadn't noticed. I'm going to have to go back and take a look for the um, the mm. the hay. That's an interesting catch. Yeah, I mean, the budget has gotten huge. Everything looks even better than it did. And I was already impressed back then, too, as I was saying before. So damn, yeah. Yeah. Um, Is it Lainey Meisel? Meisel? I think Mycel. Mycel? I said Mycel, and I think she said I pronounced it right. Okay, good. Well, I'll just go with Lainey. Uh, this might be a bit long, but I will try to shorten it. Uh, Doria. Who's Doria? Oh, is that the, the, uh, the whore? Wh- whore slave. Yeah, the whore slave. <laughs> I like her. I'm not, I'm not slamming her. I'm not slut-shaming her. You um, like her until she hooks up with uh, Zaro Zoandoxus. Yeah, I don't even remember that. Danny. Oh, Boom. then I won't like her anymore. Remember Danny locks her in the safe in Karth. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. <laughs> so right. good. So good. All right. So her name's Doria. Doria. Doria yeah. tells Viserys that she's seen a man from Ashai with a... Ashai. Ashai. Sorry. <laughs> it looks like Ashai. It, it does. It really does. Ashai with a dragon glass dagger. Is that something worth, ex- worth exploring? Aren't the shadow binders from ashai good question yeah shadow binders um come from ashai um, you're all talking about things i don't know about uh yeah melisandra i think is a shadow binder that's oh. what she does with her uh the shadow baby okay so you know about it just not necessarily by by name, name. um yeah it's interesting dragonglass i i wonder i mean dragonglass must be a natural formation all around um in the geology considering we now know that we have it in um at dragonstone as well so i wonder if there's any significance um we'll have to yeah see if we can pick out anything that has to do with it yeah um her next point is one that i mentioned she also mentioned seeing a man who could change his face the way that other men change their clothes the faceless men yes um she also said a pirate who wore his weight in gold is she referring to salador san Oh, that'd be so funny. That's uh, that's the the black guy who's friends with um, the Onion Knight, yes. with Sir Davos, his yes. pirate friend. That would be hilarious. I remember him. <laughs> Maybe she was talking about Maybe. Salador. Good um, old Salador. She says she quotes "Poison is a woman's weapon" by and by all accounts, yes, it is. Uh, <laughs> she said I instantly hated Randall Tarley and later feared for Sam's life when he, uh, Gilly and the baby 
um, and baby Sam went to Horn Hill all because of why Sam is taking the black. His dad's an asshole. <laughs> yep. Uh, Littlefinger yep. saying that Ned distrusting him was the wisest thing he's done was probably the most truthful thing he said so far. I agree. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. And yeah, or that, and he wants it all. He wants everything. Yeah, he wants there, it you all. told Sansa that too. Right? <laughs> uh, when Gendry mentioned his mother having yellow hair, I first thought he was talking about Cersei, that she possibly gave him away for whatever reason. Uh, she's lied already. What's to say she hasn't lied about her and Robert's baby? Oh, but, snap. But then she says, but clearly wasn't the case. Yeah, I wonder. Hmm. Uh, was it just me or did anyone else get a slight full metal jacket feeling when John and his friend, his friends confronted Rast? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> this is my rifle. <laughs> there are many like it, but this one is mine. This is my bag of uh, bars of soap. Yeah. So they do in uh full metal jacket. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Total full metal jacket <sighs> vibe. Probably an homage. Um, yeah. Good call on that. Um, is that, uh, is that it for that one? Uh, lastly, she just says, go Daenerys, hit him again. <laughs> <laughs> and then, oh, oh, Bronn and Tyrion can't wait to see their adventures again. Yes. Hopefully so. we get some more, um, Bronn and Tyrion aside from how we'll see their adventures again in the rewatch. I hope that they end up teaming up yes. in season eight as well. Yes. That would be so cool, man. Bronn and Bronn is a major asset for whoever, uh, happens to get him on their team he's I think. such a fun character he's valuable valuable character for sure and he's just awesome in mm -hmm. every way so we have a uh, a a group of people in our patreon group uh, we have a facebook group for people that support the podcast on patreon and support uh podcastica podcast network feel free to uh, join up and pledge a monthly dollar amount if you want to do that um it's always welcome I'm not going to make you, but <laughs> but there's uh, cool stuff like this Facebook group where people have been talking and they did a rewatch a few months ago. So we have a couple comments from there as well. We wanted to add Wendy Ott Eppers said in the Patreon rewatch, Daria tells Viserys of all the things she's seen. A man from a shy with a dagger of dra real dragon glass. I've seen a man who could change his face the way that other men change their clothes. And I've seen a pirate who wore his weight in gold and whose ship had sails of colored silk. <laughs> yeah, I'm. It's uh, it's cool seeing people picking are all picking up on this apparently. Yep. I wonder about the those sails. Yeah. Pretty must have been a wealthy ass pirate. Just <laughs> weight and gold to be like Jesus. Yeah. Mark. Oh yeah. Sorry. You go me. Ahead. Mark Kirkman, uh, said I love this episode. Made me feel like I was at the <laughs> New is NYS Ren Fair in Tuxedo, New York. Again. So maybe New York State Ren Fair? New York State Ren Fair in Tuxedo, New York again. It reminded me of A Knight's Tale, which I love. I love that movie too, Mark Kirkman. I still need to watch it. You've not seen it? No, oh, I haven't. Oh, it's adorable. You need to watch it. And Kristen was like, in the episode you didn't listen to, she uh, she was like, promise me you'll watch it by the end of the week. And I haven't yet. Oh. I, I'm sorry, Kristen. I will. I promise. I'll I give you one more it. week. Yeah, thanks, Cindy. I grant you a week. Cindy has extended Kristen's uh, death threat, <laughs> so that's good. Okay, so that's pretty much it. All right, thanks for listening, everybody. That's our show, and a special thank you to Cindy for joining us. Next week, we'll be covering Season 1, Episode 5, The Wolf and the Lion. 
give it a watch and send us your thoughts. If you'd like to call, you can reach us at 813-JOFFREY. That's 813-3739. You can email us at ravens at gameofmicrophones.com. Check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash gompodcast. Check out gameofmicrophones.com and find all of our social media and download our podcast anywhere you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.